0: Coming to you by way of the not-for-profit mainframe studios at 900 Keo Way in downtown Des Moines, this is 900 Views, a podcast about building community through the arts as we build an arts community. I'm Pat Bode, your host, and I'm here with my good friend, David Williamson. David and I go way back. Back in the day when I was doing some interviewing for public television, I had the privilege of interviewing him a couple of times, and he's been on my mind ever since trying to do this podcast because he is, in fact, the living, breathing version of folks who are artists who do community building. But he's a poet, a metal sculptorist, um, a business person, an entrepreneur, a dedicated husband, father, grandfather, and uh, just has had one project after another throughout the state of Iowa that has really been focused on how do we bring people together, how do communities thrive and survive. And one of these latest projects, which he just showed me, is Arch Alley in Jefferson. So David, can we kind of get this uh, conversation started with a little bit about how Arch Alley came to be and why it matters to the community of Jefferson?
1: I think what happened first was that my sister, Deb McGinn, had had some good luck with an alley around the square uh, that has become known as Sally's Alley. And a local resident who had a health challenge was also a photographer, spent many, many hours photographing birds out the back window, back door on the porch of her home. And these Photographs are just gorgeous, especially when blown up to eight-foot by four-foot panels that could fill an alley that used to be a scary place to be. It used to be between the pool hall and an old hotel, and those businesses are gone, but those buildings still remain But that's the alley where our mother once said to my sister, if I ever catch you in that alley, (laughs) I will paddle you all the way home.
0: (laughs) Not a good place. (laughs) So
1: since that term uh, uh, has changed now to include um, a a promotional sort of uh, paddle in the sense that uh, let's guide people towards this alley. And uh, Sally's Alley formed the basis of an opportunity for – Debbie, to appear on Here and Now with Robin Young and talking about uh, placemaking in Jefferson. And at the same time that she was doing that, I was busy working on a piece of sculpture uh, for the city of Charles City with citizens up there, a three-panel object that goes up about 23 feet built out of the old historic pedestrian bridge that was destroyed in the flood of 2008. And that sculpture became known as Revival, with three panels that was the remembering, the ruins, and the recovery of uh, what was a, a tumultuous experience for Charles City residents. So she knew that I had the capacity to work with metal and that Jefferson was going to have some metal as it did some downtown renovation. And as my schedule finally opened up, we began.
0: How does it uh, role for you to work with the community around you you are always say to me i am not actually doing the art i'm i'm bringing the art out from the from the players from the public from the folks with whom i'm engaged how do you do that
1: well i i make it very clear to them that you're the architects so i'm just the guy with the hammer and the nails so i make it very non-threatening and yet uh, they'll be curious but they're not convinced And yet if we were rolled back, uh, say a 40 year old back to when they were five and they were in kindergarten, you know, for 35 years, I was a visiting artist in Iowa, uh, working with kindergartners, coast to coast, Clinton to council bluffs. And I had never met a kindergartner ever who turned to me and said, I'm not creative, (laughs) (laughs) but I meet a lot of adults who think that they're not creative. And of course, I know that that's not true, that they've just put that creativity card somewhere in their genes, I don't know where, hidden away. But if I ask the right questions, if I ask questions about why rather than how, if I ask leadership questions, which are always why questions, not management questions, how, we start to dig and we find out what rings true for them as a human being, and how we take some of that truth and include it in this group project. And sometimes it could be a group of 10, could be a group of 50, could be a group of 75. With Project AWARE, the 10 years I was with the DNR's Project AWARE at the State Fair, and combined with Project AWARE volunteers, we'd have 450 people involved in any one of the annual sculptures that we produced out of River Trash.
0: For those who don't know, Project Aware is uh, an effort to clean up our rivers, and David took the trash and made amazing art uh, from those
1: pieces. Yeah, working with the volunteers themselves, but also working with fairgoers. You know, years ago in the early 1960s, I was in a rock and roll band, and we actually played the state fair, and our job was to draw the crowd. And although uh, I had a, a foundry furnace now, uh, back then I had a guitar. But a foundry furnace for somebody in their 60s is uh, about as close as you're going to get to Great Balls of Fire.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I missed in my introduction that you were, in fact, a musician and that your band, uh, The Bushmen, have been inducted into the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I want to make sure our audience is aware of that. Uh, But I want to get to a why question. Why do you think so many people put that creative card in their pocket and
1: pretend it's not there? Because it takes courage to say something different than what everyone else is saying. When somebody's saying it can't be done here, it can't be done here, we've tried that here, it takes courage to say, what if? Yes, we can. Why, why are we doing what we're doing now and why is that not working? Finding courage is the key piece. And we can... Define courage a lot of different ways, but I define courage as the ability to be where you are.
0: Tell me more about that.
1: Well, you're a parent. I'm a parent. You're a grand, now a new grandparent. I'm yeah. a grandparent. How many kids do you know in high school, or you can maybe even remember in your high school years, who on a Friday or Saturday night put things in their bodies that made them have the illusion they weren't even in the room? How many kids do you remember who were, say, involved in sports, but when it came to the time to be in the weight room, their head was somewhere else? Or when it was time to practice the piano for the music student, they didn't practice the piano. Or when it came time to study for an exam, they weren't studying for the exam. And you've been married decades. I've been married over a half a century And yet how many people do you know who function in relationships as if somehow they were elsewhere in some other relationship? Um, Even high school kids, you know, how many people do you know that, you know, they're dating one person, but behind the scenes there's someone else. I say courage is the ability to be where you are. And I think certainly in terms of marriage and loving a community, the ability to be where you are in your town in your county, in your state, takes courage.
0: Does it take courage uh, to live in a community and embrace that community and be a champion for that community then?
1: Of course, because not everyone in that community is going to be you. <laughs> <laughs> I work with a lot of different kinds of clients, many of whom are, uh, over the years, uh, corporate clients who are mortal enemies of each other. And, and I have often said that, you know... If I only work with clients that I, I liked, I, I could only hire myself and only then 50% of the time.
0: <laughs> Tell me about what you see working a lot uh, across the state um, and in various sized communities and with various entities, sometimes the private sector, sometimes the government sector. There's this sense we have right now of perhaps an urban-rural divide that is as big a gap as it's ever been. To what extent do you see that? And if it's there, what can we be doing to bridge it? And where do the arts fit in that picture?
1: Well, I think I do see it. uh, You know, less than 2% of Americans glean income from a farm. Now, Iowa's demographics might be a little bit different than that. But nonetheless, you know, we're talking to you uh, today from a a farm site that uh, is part of a seven-generation family grain farm. Uh, and yet over the years that we've lived here, we've watched uh, probably 20 farm buildings disappear uh, and farm families disappear because John Deere's done its thing. Uh, it, it doesn't take uh, 20 people to to put a, a field of corn now. Uh, tw- a pair of 24 row planters are not an uncommon sight um, going at once so john deere's done his thing uh, then it, it also um sometimes margins get tighter uh in some times and so volume becomes a big piece of that as well the size of farms you know um and, and so that means that folks around the country can spend a lot of time alone and and with that might look to support or value what uh, values endorsements outside their neighborhood it might be media it might be something they read online but it taps into something they're fearing and that is that there's something about their world that's dwindling and and i think people do things either out of love or out of fear and 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 so if you're afraid that your life and your lifestyle is dwindling it's going to cause some chaos and as it does, it's going to take some courage to get to the other side.
0: And so some of this perception of dwindling is the fact that there's this disconnect from community overall. Yeah. And so going to these other resources that can can be challenging. What is the artist's role in trying to revive that trust and that truth and that uh, vivaciousness, uh, vitality of a community?
1: Well... I fall into one of two camps as an artist. Uh, You're going to find artists that when they're done with, say, a painting or a drawing, sculpture, it documents what that artist knew. Oh, Maynard Reese really knows about pheasants. He knows about ducks. And it documents very, very beautifully what he knows. There are other artists like myself who, when the artwork is completed, it documented what they did not know. And that only the art process could get them to the other side of knowing what that was about and the expression of, of what it is now to celebrate what you did not know and yet find it to be a good fit with where you are now. And that model is in some ways a powerful echo of what needs to happen in Iowa, both rural and urban, although I tend to not use those two words in Iowa it's important to remember the only subway you're going to find in Iowa is a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So uh, we're our, not all that urban. <laughs> it's yeah. We're yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, you know, mostly the only urban that comes to Iowa is Keith. <laughs> so, and he's as bad a country as you get, you know? <laughs> so uh, I'm just saying that simply because you drive on a pavement rather than a gravel road, um, you, you're fairly fairly rural in Iowa. Um, and and even even a guy like Corey Taylor with Slipknot knows that that's the important uh, that that ability that ties that tie to the earth is what what drives his musical success both with Stone Sour and and with Slipknot. I mean I've heard I've heard him talk about it with more passion than I've heard any economic developer uh, ever talk about it. It's an artist, a musician who's standing there waving a flag that says Iowa on it. Th- that their first album was called Iowa and and that behind it was the Iowa state flag not, not Iowa state the university but you know the state of Iowa flag um, so and then you know if you want to hear world class opera you can go to both coasts but if you want to hear world class Iowa opera in your neighborhood you just go down to what Robert Larson created at Simpson so there's world class art that's living and breathing among us and and I also believe that it's world class In each of us, that when I work with kindergartners, first graders, third graders, I mean, they get it right away because when they make a drawing and I connect it with the history of art and they realize they're not copying, they're just doing important work, that that's the courage for them to try something new and maybe draw something they've never seen before, ever, and yet give it context of history and at the same time point them towards the future with this thing. Because that's the model. You got to have human beings who are not afraid of the unknown. Because if you're afraid of the unknown, then fear is the driver. If on the other hand, what you love is the unknown, the possibilities of what's next and maybe, and yes, then those are the things that you turn to the world and say, welcome, welcome. And I think that's a part of what happened with Arch Alley and the collaborative poem that the community created about how the word welcome has got to be for a small community more than a word. Would you read that poem for us? The poem is called Arcs because it happens to be that the arches are a ride down. As you go through the alley, it's a downhill exit out of the square. And yet there's so many words that come out of arcs like architecture and and archer. And of course, Jefferson's home to Doreen Wilber, the Olympic gold medal winning uh, archer. So here's their collaborative poem, Arcs. What's gathering inside if welcome ceases to be a word and becomes the way? What's gathering inside when excavations yield the archeology span of courage? amid a few dusty footprints of others. What's gathering inside as the archer draws back her bow, anticipating an arrow's arc toward gold? What's gathering inside the breathing in and breathing out of a stroll beneath sky while exploring the clouds for a better why? What's gathering inside the archives of this town our faces buried at times in its books when the flurry of pages summons a few archangels of our own what's gathering inside the arcs stretching beyond those who have slept long beneath grasses near the outskirts of town what's gathering inside these portals belongs to the curious who welcome as they often do what lives beyond the arc of me or you.
0: That's just beautiful. And you've done that uh, by community.
1: Yes, community, lots of different definitions of community. And, and I think sometimes community is, is de- defined as, as when there's dark clouds on the horizon, who, who shows up? You know, who's your network? When trouble comes in a small town, who shows up? The community begins with those people. Not maybe their job to show up. Could be law enforcement, could be the sheriff's department, could be the fire department, could be an EMT. But it also is the the educator and the educational administrator who shows up when a pandemic hits. And it's also those who show up and are willing to see beyond themselves and and aren't afraid to Take a vaccine that can keep your community alive and you alive as well. Being a creative person doesn't mean that you grab a brush and you're at a canvas or you grab a clay and you're at a potter's wheel. It's important to remember the most important thing you're going to create is yourself. And you're going to create something that you've seen before or you're going to find the courage to create something that even you did not know you could become. And when you got a group of people who all believe that about themselves, then you got a group of people who believe that about their town, their county, their state, and their country. When welcome's no longer just a word,
0: it's a way. So the real work of the artist or the creative person is to facilitate that.
1: Yeah, that to facilitate and, and help people remember and remind them of the artist that's inside them. That, that they are that person that was in kindergarten. They still have those tools. Over the years working with kindergartners, I mean, there was that book out that, that was said, uh, you know, everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten. I don't know if that's true, but I know what is true. Everything I needed to learn to be successful in business, I learned from a kindergartner. <laughs> because they have the courage to be amazed. They understand customer delight. They understand the wow moment. And if the, if you don't have the wow moment going on in your community minute by minute, snooze you lose. I was asked to uh, to step into a, a training role with a division of Cummins Engine called Fleet Guard. They make spin-on oil filters and air filters. And Cummins was introducing the concept of customer delight. They were having a hard time getting the engineers to understand this. So they hired me, and I got on a plane and went to Cookville, Tennessee, where the engineers are. And I told them about working with kindergartners. And I told them about working uh, in Clinton, Iowa, in an a.m. and p.m. set of kindergarten rooms uh, for each of five days, one week, of kindergartners. Morning kindergartners, afternoon kindergartners. And in the midst of all this, here comes two kindergartners who come out of a special room. And they're there not just a half day. They're there the whole day. Because they're Ricky and Bridget. And Ricky and Bridget participate in class in the morning. And then they spend their afternoon with their special teacher, Roxanne. And as we're working through the morning castings and getting ready to pour the aluminum castings on Friday, Ricky and Bridget participate like they had done all week long. They were terrific. And then they disappeared, and they went with Roxanne, their teacher, who, whose room happened to be in the basement near the art room where I was. And so the uh, afternoon group comes, and during lunch I notice that we're missing one of the five castings that somehow we... Rammed all all these castings, and we're missing one. So I run run around and I think, okay, we'll pour it in the afternoon group. Here we go, ramming up the sand molds. Turn on the furnace, turn on the torch, melt down the aluminum, pour them off, and they're all off to music. And at the end of the day, about an hour before the end of the day, I'm going through the afternoon castings, and we're still missing one casting. I know we got to have it for these little sculptures because the sculptures are going to stay at the school. And and it's like the one kindergartner said, it's like if one of us is an artist, we're all artists. I said, yes, that's right. So I got busy downstairs ramming this by myself because we've got to have this last casting. And I notice the door to Roxanne's room opens up. I hear a little creak. <laughs> I look and there's Ricky and he's staring at me, the kindergartner with autism. And then I hear Roxanne's voice. Ricky, come back in the room. He disappears. A minute later, there he is. Ricky! Come back in the room. But he is fascinated. Ricky, come back in the room. By then, I've got the sand mold ready to go. I grab my hard hat, my gloves, I head outside with my overalls, my kickoff boots, and I turn on, just about to turn on the torch, and here comes Ricky upstairs, out onto the playground, and he's dragging Roxanne and Bridget right behind him. <laughs> comes right up to me, and she says, Roxanne says, Ricky, what does you want to say to Mr. Williamson? Ricky says, Ricky, watch. I said, Ricky, you were here this morning. You know what I'm going to do. I said, how about Ricky, help. Ricky, help. I said, so I got on a little jacket, little leather jacket, little leather gloves, and a little little face mask, and Ricky steps up beside me, and we turn on the torch at 6,300 degrees. And the children, the child who's on the autism spectrum is right beside me, and we're melting aluminum. We get the aluminum melted down. We pour off the ca- And then I shut off the torch. Ricky steps back with the torch shut off. I pour the casting. Now we got them all. And they got about 10 minutes before they have to go home. But they journal every afternoon before they leave. They disappear. I never see Ricky or Bridget again. But after school, Roxanne comes running upstairs. And she's holding up a notebook. She said, you better see this. It was Ricky's journal. This is what Ricky wrote. Ricky torch. Ricky mask. Ricky gloves. Ricky, wow. That's customer delight.
0: (laughs) It is indeed.
1: If it doesn't go, wow, it doesn't go. (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a delight. This customer's delighted, wow, that I got to visit with you. Uh, it's been a long time, David. i um, so glad to have had this time together. And, folks, I want to thank you for listening. Um, please pay attention to all the things that are happening at Mainframe Studios. They're opening back up, good things are on, on board there. And so many thanks to Executive Director Siobhan Spain and to my collaborator, Alex Cooney. And thank you for listening to 900 views.